Hello? Homer, where are you? You promised you were going to have a tea party with Maggie. Oh, Marge, I'm sorry. I can't make it. The cooling tank just blew and they're taking Lenny to the hospital. Oh, no, not Lenny. Not Lenny. Yes, I'm going to have to work late instead of seeing you and the kids, which is what I really want. Okay, sure. Kids, turn off the TV. I have some bad news about Lenny. Not Lenny! Four-finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Figure Discount. This week we are here to review episode BABF02. It is Hello Gutter, Hello Fatter. I am Dando. And I am Guy. Hello there, Dando. How are you travelling, my man? Yeah, I'm going really good, thank you. We are just discussing off the air that you just cooked a, uh, a zucchini slice yesterday and that went almost to plan. Or you said you cooked a little bit undercooked, but you said it came out well once you chucked it back in the ovens. I'm very, very jealous of that. I cooked up a big batch of uh, pasta bake over the week and I was just telling you and I burnt it. And I was furious and I threw a mini tantrum. Oh, just a mini tantrum. I mean, that's all right then. I mean, I, I would probably throw a bit of a Gordon Ramsay-style mega nuclear tantrum, you know, if something went even slightly wrong in the kitchen. I mean, look, this this uh, zucchini slice actually turned out pretty good. I think I was inspired by various people on social media who have just taken to baking bread like they're, um, <laughs> I don't know, like their baker's delight or something, but every second post you see is like, Hey, check out my sourdough. It's like mm. <laughs> now. Look, I'm not. I'm not that bold. I'm not that brave yet to sort of go bread. I don't think I've ever baked a loaf of bread in my life. My good buddy Mark, he is incredible at it. I mean, I hate to go all castle, but he could open a shop. He's oh, um, really? he's really good. Um, so one of these days, I might give that a whirl if we're going to be locked in our houses for the indefinite uh, indefinite period. But um, zucchini slice is always one that I mean, it's it's like five ingredients. Put it in a bowl, whack it in the oven, check on it occasionally, and you know, pretty much you're good to go. My tantrum consisted of uh, me throwing the tea towel and spinach being stuck on the roof. <laughs> <laughs> spinach on the roof. So basically, I, actually, no, I didn't throw the tea towel. I threw, yeah, it was a tea towel that I took it out of the oven with. So I had two tea towels and it was burnt on top. But because there was some spinach in it, one of the pieces of spinach got stuck to the um to the tea towel. So when I threw the tea towel, spinach went flying off and got stuck on the roof. <laughs> That's why you see chefs are very hot-tempered people. Yes, you, you think they're sort of an anomaly. Those guys like Ramsay or you know uh, Marco Pierre White who sort of fire up in the kitchen. But no, I think you know food makes you passionate. Oh, definitely, and there's very little room for error. <laughs> oh, absolutely, particularly when it comes to baking. Yes. Now, you mentioned uh, being bold before. So, speaking of bold, this episode, based somewhat around bowling, uh, I'm, I'm going to throw it out there. This was, it was actually an interesting episode because the longer it went on, I saw this as somewhat of like the Simpsons writers, like Al Jean in particular. I was actually surprised that Al Jean was the one that wrote this episode because I usually love his stuff. But I sort of thought this was the way of the Simpsons fighting back saying, you know, it's not our time to move on. We're still a good show. Because throughout the episode, people are saying to Homer, you've had your fame. Now it's time to move on. And he was just, <laughs> he, and he was fighting against that. So I sort of thought this is maybe the writers arguing back to the, to the critics. But I tell you what, they, Al Jean did not do a good job with this, in my opinion. It's like he basically wanted you to dislike Homer. He was just constantly horrible to his family. And despite the fact that there are some funny moments throughout the episode... I just couldn't get past how much of a douchebag he was. I noticed that you were not happy with the episode, with this episode, so I was very keen to check it out and see. Well, wonder why, it, uh, wonder what Dando dislikes this so much. And uh, look, I have to agree with you. I mean, it really is not just doubling but tripling down on the dumbness, on the selfishness, and you know, the basic hope that you know, no matter how bad Homer acts or behaves or whatever he will invariably be forgiven by everyone around him. And yeah, but it was really sort of pushing your limits and testing your patience in that regard. I think, I think you're right. I mean, look, I got a, I got a fair few laughs out of this episode. It wasn't, it's certainly not one of the best we've seen so far uh, when we've been talking about season 11, but yeah, I mean, that's getting maximum jerk Homer, this episode, it felt really, it felt more, 
more jerky than than most, and it really it, it really sort of cast a pall over the whole episode. Yeah, he could have made the point that Homer was a bit selfish, but I feel like, and throughout the entire episode, he never, as you said earlier, gets. You know, there's no repercussions for his actions. His family just forgive him. His friends just forgive him. And even at the end, when you know you have that, he tries to go for the whole nice emotional ending with uh, Homer and Maggie, but still he like robbed her of and, the victory. So, and like- then undercuts it again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know if by this stage of making The Simpsons, they'd you know Homer had kind of ingrained himself in the public consciousness and you know he's a lovable buffoon and you know people will forgive him anything but yeah it did seem like they were like i wonder how far we can take this i mean yep. it, do- it doesn't seem uh you know malicious or mean-spirited but it just seems kind of thoughtless and careless that was the thing i felt like it, there was no there was just no consideration for the intelligence of the viewer even the storytelling was just there was no after that first act the first act was i enjoyed despite homer being a douchebag oh, there was mm. the funniest moments were in the first act in my opinion but after that it just became a disjointed mess mm. now look i'm showing my sort of because there's a lot of Simpsons to take in and I'm showing how addled my brain is and how little research I've done. But I just was thinking about this now. When was like the Frank Grimes episode? Where, was season, you know, season eight. So that was two, okay. three seasons ago. Well, yeah, it's like they've almost sort of forgotten the any lessons or any any lessons they were trying to impart with that episode where, you know, someone sort of said, you know, this guy's terrible, right? He's no good at anything. And... um I don't know, they just seem to have sort of walked back from that and just like, oh, well, yeah, he, he is kind of terrible and selfish and thoughtless. And- Which it just gets annoying to this point because even in that episode, the Frank Grimes one, Homer was being annoying, but he wasn't being outright cruel to his kids. And he wasn't, you know, willing to commit suicide because he, wasn't, because he lost his 15 minutes of fame, not considering his family. I know he tried to commit suicide in Homer's Odyssey, but there was at least somewhat of a build-up to that moment where he lost his job and he yeah. felt like he couldn't support his family, as trivial as it sounds. But still, the fact that, oh, my life's over, I've, I've peaked, I've got nothing else to live for now, I'm going to kill myself. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, I mean, that line when he says, Marge, as my, as my life peaked, I reckon that's kind of like, it's the theme of the episode or it's the core idea of the episode. I mean, look, I don't want to speak for Al Jean, but maybe that's... That was kind of the seed from which this whole episode kind of grew, and I mean it's a very it's a very valid thing to talk about. I mean, have, I don't know if you've ever talked about this before. How old is Homer Simpson? Do you think? I generally thirty nine, I believe. Thirty nine years old. Okay, well I think that's an age, and I think you know it's not quite midlife crisis stuff, but I mean I think when you hit around that. Yeah, you know, late thirties, early forties phase. I mean, sure, you can hit a bit of a midlife crisis, but it's also a time, and I think maybe you have more than one time like this in your life, when you think, "Hmm, am I doing all I can with my life? Is this all there is?" That kind of stuff, and it's a very valid question. I mean, when you sort of when you do hit that, you know, it can it can hit you like a truck. I mean, the midlife crisis is a real thing. I mean, it, it can be sort of you can make fun of it. it's like okay, well. You know, you're dyeing your hair and divorcing your wife and buying a sports car and all that kind of stuff. That's for dudes anyway. But um, that's, why, that's why you bought that rocket car, isn't it? It is indeed why I bought that rocket car and got that hair transplant. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I think it's, of course, this is taking that, that central idea and really pushing it to the nth degree. I mean, Homer getting so sort of uh, wrapped up in the idea that oh, I've done this one great thing of bowling a perfect game and now it's all downhill from here. I mean, it's exaggerating and of course, that's what comedy does. But um, yeah, I don't know if it did it all that successfully and in all honesty, all that humorously. There was funny moments, but sometimes you can find humor in Homer being a jerk, but you just couldn't in this. It was just like, if this was a real person, you'd want to punch him in the face. No, look, I mean, I think pretty much everyone around him was more likable and, and probably more funny. Lenny had his had some good moments here when he was um talking to, like accidentally putting Homer off with the choking. Oh yeah, that was a very good bit. <laughs> but the whole this Lenny, I think, was the sort of the stealth MVP of this episode, either by his own jokes or just the whole stuff about not Lenny. Oh, get well, Lenny. <laughs> I mean, because he's just so sort of he's not anonymous, Lenny, but he's very kind of his background. You know, I mean, I don't think has there ever been like a 
a Lenny and Carl like bottle episode or anything like that of The Simpsons where they just focus on those two? I'm sure there has been the later seasons, but I'm unaware yeah. of it. <laughs> well, I, I didn't know whether I was just looking into it too much. So I, I was I got Nicola to watch the last half of this episode because um, I was re-watching it. Because I, I, I posted in the Facebook group, this may be the worst episode that we've reviewed to date. Because it mm. just it just left me confused, and I was like, "What's going on here?" I, d- I don't remember it being this much of a mess. I thought I'll rewatch it because some of the people were commenting saying, "Oh no, I actually like this one." I'm looking at you, Nick Barbaro, and I <laughs> rewatched it. And Nicola started watching it with me. And at the end, when Maggie saved Homer, Nicola was like, "Why is that? How is a baby able to go under and like rescue Homer?" I'm like, "I don't know." I'm like. They don't even explain it. She goes, what? They don't actually explain it. I said, no. Uh, Hibbert just says babies get superhuman strength. And then it's not even a joke. He just makes a comment and then that's it. It was like Al Jean wrote this scene and went, yeah, it doesn't really make much sense. We'll just have the doctor say that babies get superhuman strength based off of no fact. I was like, I don't know. Mm. I, I could be in the minority here, but I was just very disappointed by this episode. Yeah, that whole that whole last bit with uh, yeah Maggie swimming out and rescuing home, which, uh, it's like... <laughs> It's happening. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm not laughing at it. I mean, I'm not really. It's. It's not. It's not much of a joke. I mean, I think the only joke is when you know Homer sort of is pulled out of the water and then sinks again, and Maggie kind of rolls her eyes a bit. That's really the only joke in it. Otherwise, it's like, mm, yeah, look, I'm not buying this as a straight rescue, and I'm not buying this as a humorous rescue. It's just something that happens. I mean, like that. It, you know, Homer himself has said in previous episodes. I don't know. It's just a bunch of stuff that happened. <laughs> Hey, my favourite! Now, besides all of that, Mr. Davis, we've got all the shit out of the way. What was your favourite moments from the episode? Uh, look, I've already mentioned how I liked how sort of Lenny-centric it was. I mean, the the various sort of needlepoint things about get well, Lenny, and all that kind of stuff. Um, I did think they pushed that to just the right amount. I thought they you know, had just uh, yeah, just the right level of Yes, everyone's really concerned and pulling for this uh, peripheral character. So I did like that a fair bit. Um, Again, sort of little bits and pieces. Um, Some realistic, I mean, you know, people pulling faces behind like a news reporter. You know, when they're out sort of doing their... Um, well, that was that was my favourite moment. Just, I had Brockman. So, Brockman has two moments in this when he just turns and goes, morons. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then when they're playing uh, Celebrity or Springfield Squares, and it's like, we'd like to play down the resemblance to Tic-Tac-Toe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do like that Ken Brockman is kind of like the, um, yes, the most famous person on, uh, on Springfield television that, you know, and he's willing to sell out his ser- credentials as a serious newsman to host Springfield Squares. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that, that I really, really appreciated Brockman in this. Oh, and and one other thing I did like, I'm, I'm partial to Ron Howard. Uh, <laughs> oh, he, he he was also great. Yeah, he's always he's he's a really great guest star. He's one of the more underrated guest stars the Simpsons have had. I think he is, and I think he's responsible for what I like. I don't know if it's necessarily a Simpsons meme, but it's a it's an image that I use all the time. Uh, just from that previous episode that he was in, where he's holding up the bags of money. Yeah, the end like, of Winnie Dish Upon a Star. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, um, I've, you know, I've got that picture on uh, various devices. I think I've got it on my phone. I've got it on my laptop. I've got it on my desktop PC. And anytime anyone does anything vaguely sort of mercenary or sells out, I'm just like, you know, Howard, you've done it again. <laughs> yeah, just pulling out that one. It's like, oh, you know, it's like, why did so and so do such and such? And you pull out the Ron Howard holding money bags. <laughs> image like of course that's the reason they did it but i liked him in this a lot yeah yeah yeah. i always quote howard from that episode when someone asked me if i can do something because it's when they're in a car chase with homer it's like ron can you drive not well but i'll give it a try (laughs) (laughs) now before we get into new names we need to mention that this week's podcast is brought to you by our 20 dollar patrons jordan mom and richie Nick Barbaro, Christopher Darby, and Andrew Zer. Thank you so much, guys. And thank you so much to Zach the Ripper, who has just signed up to be a new $5 plus patron. Oh, Zach the Ripper. Nice one, Ripper. From this day forward, your names will be... New names for this week. So, the current leaderboard sees Gia Garrod Harrowhill on top on eight points. In second position, we have Andrew Parker on six. And in third, we have Jimmy Faruja on four. Now, what have you got for me this week, Mr. Davis? 
All right, well, he is atop the leaderboard, but uh, our man Gear, Geroid Harahill, um, falls just short of the top three this time around. Gave us some good ones, uh, including It's a Fad, 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 Fad World. Um, mm-hmm. Good stuff by Gear, falling just short this time. Honourable mention to our man. Uh, but at num- uh, with one point, it's uh, Neil Parks with Neil Parks. I Can't Believe It's Not Gutter. <laughs> not bad. <laughs> I kind of like that. Um, I'm not sure this gentleman has even uh, made an appearance in the on the leaderboard as yet, but Chris Darby. Chris uh, Darby, no, he has not. What has he got? S- snakes two points this time around for 300. This is Homer. I mean, <laughs> it's a good 300 gag. Yeah, we've got 300 in there, so yeah, it all works out. But uh, atop the uh, the new titles board this time around, it's Brandon Allen. Getting three points for 15 minutes of frame. Brendan, oh, that's really good. That's not bad, is it? I mean, you know, you've got your bowling reference in there. You've got your fame reference in there. You've got a bit of rhyming wordplay. All the stuff I love. Top work by Brendan Allen. Three points to you, sir. So if you've been paying attention, listeners and patrons, if you want to get on this leaderboard, it seems you've got to throw a pun in there. Yeah, sorry. I mean, look, I'm, I'm a fairly easy lay in that regard. <laughs> Just throw <laughs> Just throw a pun my way, and I'm like, ooh, <laughs> who's this clever person? <laughs> Swipe right. <laughs> Alrighty, coming up after this quick break, we're going to be doing some trivia. Next question. You there, eating the paste. Trivia for this week, Mr. Davis. Do you want to start, or shall I start? You start. Okay, I shall start. What code did Homer break when pointing out the fire to Chief Wiggum? Oh, now there are various ones here. Was it the? Because I think it it started with a three seventeen. Well done, yes. Or or is that a three fourteen? <laughs> and then it might have been a three fifteen. <laughs> but three I think three seventeen was the one they started with. Okay, and um, when the streets of Springfield get all uh, they crowd as New York, what happened? What does the pushy New Yorker say? Uh, no, actually, what type of magazine does the certain person want up the wazoo? Uh, is it Time? Not quite. It is actually Details, Details. Magazine. Never heard now, of it. Details, well, I was I was a huge fan of Details Magazine in the 90s. I mean, it's a very, very 90s thing. I mean, I've, a little bit of a sidebar here because, hey, I know people love my sidebars. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, I was a big magazine collector, you know, in the 80s, but especially in the 90s, uh, particularly movie magazines. There were two great ones called Premiere and Movie Line that came out of the US. I loved them. Unfortunately, I think I either, I think I might have given them away or thrown them away, but Details is the one that I kept. And it's kind of, it was kind of a lifestyle magazine for Generation X. You know, it had celebrity interviews, uh, music and culture reviews, a bit of fashion. Look, it was good stuff. And that's the one that I've kept. And I've got like, um, two of those big plastic boxes that have got, I think, every issue from maybe 1991 through to, like, 1998. And wow. honest to God, it is it is like an actual time machine. You flip, you flip through it, it's like... It's honestly taking a trip back to the mid-90s. It's just You're, you're going to be very upset with me when I tell you this, but do you know I had every issue of Empire Magazine that, oh. exist, that existed in the 90s, every single issue, and I gave them to the Salvos. It's it's so terrible. I mean, you think you're you're doing the sort of the condo spark joy thing at the time. It's like, you know what? I'm never going to read these again. These are in the past, man. Time to look forward to the future. And then you realise, oh no! (laughs) (laughs) Surely they'll put them online at some point or something. I don't know. But like 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 Nicola said, when are you ever going to pull these out and read them? And if you do, are you going to have them out for more than five minutes? Because if not. We need to get these boxes out of the fucking garage. <laughs> True. Nicola's very wise in that regard. I mean, look, I've only pulled out those multiple issues of Details magazines once in the last 10 years. Yeah, exactly. But when I did, it was kind of like, it was almost like an acid flashback. I mean, it was so vivid. Even the even the ads and whatnot, it's it's a cool experience going back and looking, looking through those magazines. But when you've got, you know, 300 issues or whatever it was, too much. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Look. There's a lot of stuff that I did throw out. I mean, like I said, I was a huge magazine collector. 
I kept all my issues of details and I've kept all my issues of an American magazine called Esquire, which is basically another, it's a men's magazine, but it's not a men's magazine, if you know what I mean. It's, yep. <laughs> it, it's, for the, it's for the sophisticated man about town. Anyway, so sorry, that's a bit of a sidebar. But, uh, that's fine. The, 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 the only books I ever kept were, the, um, were Simpsons comics, which I still occasionally flick through because, to be quite honest, I think some of the stories in the Simpsons comics would have made great episodes. Well, there you go. So, I mean, yeah, it's important to keep some of those things. But, uh, yeah, you don't want to be an absolute hoarder and end up on, you know, one of those TV shows where, you know, they have an actual intervention where it's like, you've got too much stuff. Get rid of some of this stuff. All right, your next question. Sir. My next question is, how many times has Homer seen Stevie Nicks nude? I was actually going to ask this question as well. Because I was going to ask about, you know, who was who got three... Oh, yes. Who was the celebrity on Homer's to-do list? Yes. Uh, and then I was going to ask, no, no, we need to go a little deeper than that. It was three. He saw yeah, her th- three, times. three times. Has she posed nude for Playboy or something? I don't know. I I don't believe so. I mean, Stevie Nicks, uh, you know, was one of the singers of Fleetwood Mac, very big in the 70s when hmm, things were different and people were a little more sort of hmm, footloose and fancy free. But no, I don't believe so. Your next question. Oh, was that, was, was that your? I just stole it, didn't I? <laughs> it, it was one of mine, but that's all right. We've, I've got another one here. What was in Krusty's chew-goo gum-like substance, the bad element or the bad ingredient? I've forgotten. It was hantavirus. Ah, that really came out of left field. <laughs> Another relevant joke in The Simpsons. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, what narcotics are common in professional bowling? Oh, God, there were heaps. Mrs. Uh, K mentions three. LSD is one of them? No. Okay. Um, heroin? Uh, crack, steroids, and angel dust. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I, I remember they said, like, wow, that's, that's a lot and some, and some hardcore stuff. But no, I'd, I'd, I'd completely <laughs> forgotten. Sorry about that. Um, when uh, on the episode of Access Hollywood, they talk about um, class act Burt Reynolds apologizing to someone. Who does he apologize to? Ah, oh, shit. Oh, far out. I remember that moment, actually. Was it the Pope? It was indeed the Pope. The Pope, yes. yes. I mean, the, the, no, the higher-ups at the Catholic Church, go, they, they seem to apologise more than get apologised to these days. So, yeah, a <laughs> bit, bit of an interesting uh, change of pace that someone in the Catholic Church gets apologised to. How many cocktail radishes does Mo have? Uh, let me count these. It's uh, one, two, three... Three big radishes. Yes, it's it's three. It's three, correct. And three my final radishes. question, because I've stolen your final question. Uh, oh, what okay. was Homer's final score against Maggie? Oh, I was paying attention to. Um, I was paying attention to uh, to Maggie's. Was it two ninety five? Well, Maggie's was two ninety five. Oh, okay, no, I, I I missed what Homer got. So Homer's was two ninety six. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. So now. I know, I apologise, I stole one of your questions. Did you have any more than five sitting there or...? I've got one extra. Okay, cool. Thank you. Let's, what, what do you got for me? When Homer leaps from the building, uh, holds onto Otto as Otto was bungee jumping, uh, they make their way down into the um, below the surface of Springfield. What are the three kind of monsters that they find as they, as they plummet to the, uh, to the lower depths? Well, I know you've got the moles, mole mm-hmm. people. Was it warlocks? Morlocks, yes. Morlocks, Morlocks. I don't know the other one. The other one is Chuds. Chuds, okay. That was, that was also very random. Just Moleman underground. <laughs> that was indeed, but King of the Molemen. Yeah, um, as, as a standalone funny, that it is funny, but it just makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> it It's true, true. But I mean, one thing I do like about The Simpsons, I, I think they probably only made the joke about Chuds twice, but... Even one joke about Chuds in 30 seasons or whatever would still be good. <laughs> Chud is just this, this 80s horror movie about these uh, monsters living below the streets of New York. Chud, by the way, stands for Cannibalistic Humanoid Underground Dweller. So, uh, I did not know that. Yes, indeed. So there actually, you go. I think I might, I've, I've actually, I think, I think when we did the review of the episode that has the original Chud gag, we didn't know what a Chud was, and we did our review. I think we actually learnt that in that episode because we had to do some research. <laughs> <laughs> My friend Anthony is just huge on the on that initial Chud joke about, oh, 
with all the chuds. <laughs> it's just hilarious. <laughs> it's also just a it's such a great word to use about you know something you find distasteful. It's like, oh, geez, this chud. It sounds dirty, but it isn't. We'll be right back, guys, with our full review of Hello Gutter, Hello Fatter after the break. If you're looking for even more Guy and Dando in your ears each week, well, you can find it on Patreon with the Guy and Dando Show airing every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Here you'll find us discussing everything and anything, whether it be our favourite 90 sitcoms or even our favourite pub meals. It's a hell of a good time and it's available right now for just $1 a month at patreon.com slash fourfinger discount. The Guy and Dando Show. You know you want it. The original air date of this episode was November 14th, 1999. Chalkboard gag was I will not, I won't not use no double negatives. <laughs> it's a tongue twister <laughs> to get out. I won't not use no double negatives. Yeah. And the couch gag was where the cement trunk pours out concrete versions of the family and then Homer's drives too quickly and crumbles. Actually, speaking of chalkboard gags, did you see this week they put a chalkboard gag that says something like schools online or something and Bart wasn't there? I did not see that one. Yeah, I just thought nice little like uh, it's good. See, with the with the cash gags, or not cash gags, but with the chalk gags, they can do shit like that. That's very relevant. Like every episode takes mm. nine months to make, so by the time they've made it, a lot of the jokes sometimes feel a little bit, you know, past their prime. But with like, the chalk gags, like they can do stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So that I thought was a little cool. Thought we'd give it a little shout yeah. out to the uh, episode eighteen of um, season thirty-one. Also, I've read that the the latest episode that aired this week, uh, it was. A follow-on from the Disney, uh, sorry, from the Simpsons short that aired on Disney Plus last week. Ah, the Playdate Play with Destiny, Destiny one. Yeah, yeah. So this is a follow-on to that. Yeah. Well, there you go. I must admit, I was I was fairly happy with the uh, the couch gag this time around. The whole cement family thing, mainly because as a Geelong boy who lives not far from the iconic, dare we say, Geelong Cement Works, um, it's been a bit sad to actually see them being demolished. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is sad. Like, I read about it and I was like, oh, yeah, that's sad. And then I drove past and saw it and I went, oh, that's really sad. <laughs> it, it is a little. I mean, I was sort of I was driving up that up that street close to sunset the other day, and the sun was setting behind them, and it really looked like something out of a um, out of one of those you know dystopian future movies where everything's just sort of gone to wreck and ruin. It was. I actually took a photo of it. I might put it on the um, on the patrons page at some stage. It's not, yeah, not it. my best. Not my best work, but still. Um, but look, I mean, I've grown up in this neighbourhood. I mean, it's one it's one of the sad things about my life that I'm so unadventurous that I've lived in three of the houses I've lived in my life have been like an eight block radius of one another. <laughs> really? Okay. Um, so I've always had these cement work kind of looming over me all my life. And yeah, to see them being knocked down is, um, I don't know, it's end of an era stuff. But anyway. It's going to result in a midlife crisis, I can see it. Absolutely, that'll be my third. <laughs> uh, the episode kicks off with Homer hitting the snooze alarm, ends up sleeping through for a full 26 hours. What's, what's, what's Otto and his girlfriend just making making out on Homer's bed? That was weird. <laughs> that was <laughs> I mean, very weird. I like the whole stylistic thing of that thing, how it was sort of done in the, that sort of choppy kind of frame thing and, you know... The, I did like the dead bird bit, and I did like the auto makeout bit, and the fact that his girlfriend stole his money. Yeah, yeah, that, that, was was, good. that was good. Yeah, I mean the whole gag kind of defied credibility. I mean, why did no one wake him up? Yeah, why did they just why did they just let him sleep for what twenty six hours or something? Yeah. <laughs> so it gets to the next morning. I can't get Maggie to eat. Maybe if you try. Oh, I'm twenty six hours late for work. No time for Maggie. Ooh, where's Waldo? <laughs> nope. Nope. It would be a lot easier without all these people. Nope. Nope. <gasps> Is there? Oh, nope. Waldo, where are you? Not off to a good start when he's saying stuff like, I've got no time for my kids. I was like, okay, here we go. All right. Settle in, Brendan. you got one of these ones coming up. <laughs> you do indeed. I mean, fatherhood has changed you, Dando. <laughs> and I think it has. But, I think like when Ho- For I, the better. <laughs> I feel like when Homer is a dick to his kids now, I, it, it annoys me more. It shouldn't, but anyway. <laughs> Um, Homer gets stuck in traffic, which is something we can all relate to, getting angry at that. So he decides to try and take a shortcut and drives down the median strip. Oh, sure, it singled me out. All right, smart guy, where's the fire? Over there. Okay, you just bought yourself a 317, pointing out police stupidity. Or is that a 314? No, no, 314 is a dog, uh, 
in no, or is that a 315? You're in trouble, pal. I'll tell you what. Anytime I see someone driving on the median strip now or whenever I sort of think about that when I'm stuck in traffic, I've only ever seen this movie once in my life. But every time I think about that, I always go to Jingle All The Way. What moment does he do that? Arnold is stuck in traffic somewhere. I don't know if he's on his way to try and find, you know, the last Turbo Man in town. Uh, no, I think he was, wasn't he, he doesn't get stuck in traffic when he's on his way to see his kids recital or something? Something along those lines. Like, like yeah. I said, I've only ever watched it once, but I just remember that he's like, oh, to hell with it, <laughs> you know, and then drives on the meeting strip and he gets busted by the cop. I can't remember anything else about that movie, or barely anything else about that movie, but I always remember that, and that's always what leaps to mind when I'm stuck in traffic on the way to Melbourne or something. It's like, why don't I, why don't I just get in the emergency lane? Why don't I just zip around these dickheads? <laughs> Mitch and I have had many debates about letting people in in traffic, <laughs> like the ones that try and take shortcuts. I'm, I'm no, but Mitch is just like, whatever, just let them in. I'm like, fuck these guys, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm more sort of team Mitch at that state. Look, I, I understand completely where you're coming from, but... I don't know. I'm kind of a believer in karma. It's like, yeah, go on, in you get, in you get. Or at least letting one person in. But if you've been stuck there doing the right thing for half an hour, and then one guy just decides he's going to take a shortcut, you're going to let him in front of you? Uh, would you let oh, someone look, do that? Would you let someone do that if you're lining up at the movie cin- at the cinema? Oh, probably not. Exactly. So uh, how's it any different? <laughs> I don't know. I think I like to let one person in. And then yeah, I figure okay. the person behind me, it's their responsibility to let one person in. You yeah, know, okay. Everything moves forward slowly, but we've all I'll, done our part. I'll let people in if they've just come off of a of a um like a bypass or whatever. But not. When oh, I think that's I think that's what I mean. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Okay. I always hate it when they're like there's road work, and you know there's a sign at least five hundred meters beforehand saying, "Okay, you're gonna have to move over the left hand lane because we're closing this lane." Yeah. But someone stays in it all the way, and then when they get to the very last minute, they're like, "Okay, I better put my indicator on now and let me." And it's like, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> You had half a kilometre to do that. Exactly right. Yeah, exactly right. Okay. In that point, then I'm Team Dando. Then I'm like, are we swearing here, Dando? Because I think this has earned it. I swear a lot. You can swear as much as you like, sir. Okay. Well, at that point, I'm like, fuck you, man. No way. (laughs) Give him the whole Homer double bird from the Simpsons movie. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Um, So Homer arrives late to work, um, thinks he's gotten away with it, then Burns is standing behind him, feels his face... Uh, pulls out his dentures, which is one of the... I thought that was a nice little gag about, you know, pulls out his false teeth and the false teeth automatically just sort of cha-ching. Yeah, cash registers down, yeah. He then runs to the court to get away. Burns catches him. <laughs> Having the, the legs installed was a good idea. <laughs> I, I didn't mind that bit, although I thought that just the butt kicking, it seemed to go on just like 10 seconds too long or maybe five seconds too long. It's like sometimes that that whole hey, we're overstaying our welcome gag works. And this time it didn't. I don't know why. <laughs> Homer is then forced to eat toxic waste. Um, Lenny and Carl <laughs> then say, well, hey, screw that. Come come play some bowling. So Homer, instead of uh, going home and uh, taking part in the tea party with Maggie, mm. he calls up the family and tells them that, he's, uh, that Lenny's injured himself and he has to stay back at work. And we get the first not Lenny, which, as you said... Was pretty damn funny. <laughs> that's funny, but I mean, it, and it's a nice sort of antidote because I think it's really at that stage where, well, it's certainly where I wrote down in my notes. Oh yeah, they're tripling down on the dumbness and the selfishness. I think that's the problem with this episode was that it lost me and it never got me back. Like nothing, mm. nothing in the last two acts was redeeming enough. No, they never have sort of like a, a do it for her kind of resolution. By the way, apologies to the listeners. Elliot has now realised that if he goes down the side of the house. And looks in my window, he can see me. So I just heard these footsteps, and for the last minute, I've just been hearing, Daddy, Daddy. Well, well, this is a very fatherhood-related episode, Dando. So, you know, I mean, I think you're providing, you you are the goofus to, no, 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 you are the gallant to Homer's goofus in this situation. (laughs) You know, you're Donnie Do, and he's don't do what Donnie don't does. As I close the window and pull the blind down. (laughs) Yes, pretty much. Now, back to business. (laughs) Hey, Carl, check out the overhead scoreboard. (laughs) (laughs) Poo. Uh, Homer, what wacky name do you want? Are poo and ass taken? Yeah. Damn, could my life get any worse? Simpson, even for a bowler, you are fat. Hey, guys, is it normal to see Burns' face on a bowling ball? Mm, Actually, I'd say you're having a severe psychotic episode. Uh, What a rotten day. Yeah. 
Wow, a strike. Hey, if that's psychotic, then why am I taking these? Oh, you're polishing bone! Hey, Homer, that's four strikes in a row. You got a perfect game going. Really? Careful what you say, Lenny. You jinx it. Oh, right. Sorry. Miss! Miss! Sorry, I was calling the waitress. Ah, uh, this split you sold me is making me choke. Lenny! What? I paid seven ten for this split. Will you at least call it a banana split, you dumbwad? Hey, spare me your gutter mouth. Ow! This, apparently, is newsworthy enough for the nine, or not nine, the Channel 6 News to go down and broadcast live. <laughs> well, yes, Ken Brockman very disappointed that, um, yeah, this is what counts as an achievement in Springfield. But there he's doing his live report. Yeah, you've got people pulling faces behind him, which I don't know if you see it as much anymore. Well, for a while there, they were, they were doing the morning shows with the glass window behind. And people were flashing their, flashing their breasts and mooning the camera and everything. Oh, wow. I mean, I, know, I must have dipped out on those good episodes of morning TV. I just never watch morning TV that much. But uh, I just remember it being a huge thing in like the seven, or in the 80s and 90s of, you know, anytime someone was out doing a live broadcast, you'd have some dickhead behind going, eh, or hey, I'm on TV, yeah. or whatever. It seems to happen less these days. I mean, I think now that everyone's sort of got their own their own camera in their phone or their own YouTube channel, they can just go, eh, I don't need to muscle in on someone else's action. I can create my own. Yeah, getting on TV doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> Not really, no. <laughs> this is Kent Brockman live from Barney's Volorama, where local pinhead Homer Simpson is on the verge of a perfect game. Hey, there was no accident at the plant. Dad just wanted to go bowling. He shouldn't have deceived me, but I'm just so relieved when he's okay. Marge is just, you know, just thankful and relieved that Lenny's okay. The whole family is, it seems. Yeah, I'd, 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 like that was a big lie to make. And Lisa's annoyed at first, but then all of a sudden they go down to the bowling alley and it's like, all right, now we're going to support him. And I'm like, really? Mm. No, he lied. <laughs> but uh, yes, Homer does uh, end up bowling his perfect game in a scene that rips off the uh, the old Robert Redford movie, The Natural, that where he plays the the, uh, the sort of the baseball phenomenon. At the end of that, he hits this incredible home run that basically blows out all the lights in the uh, in the baseball stadium. Um, yeah, that's what happens at the bowling alley. Um, I must admit, it does sort of recreate the joy of bowling a strike. I mean, you and I have bowled together in the past when we went to a work function out at the uh, out at the lanes, and I think we bowled a bit of a game together. And look, my bowling skills are fairly haphazard. I mean, I'm either either nail it. Or I'm a or I'm a gutter boy. I mean, I don't really have. I don't have too many occasions where I'm like, hey, I've knocked over six pins. I mean, I either either clear it or it's like, oh wow, that that didn't end up in the gutter. That ended up in another lane. So I, I, I just let go of the ball and hope for the best. That that's it. I mean, I'm sure there are bowlers out there with technique and a and and you know a plan and all that kind of stuff. No, I just I'm grip it and rip it, man. Just. Yeah, you know, send it down there and see what happens. But yeah, yeah, when you <laughs> that's exactly right. But when you actually, hey, I knocked them all over, and not only that, I mean, I, I hit the the front pin dead center, and pow! It was just this incredible physics reaction of knocking everything over. It's like I feel pretty good about myself right now. I did also love the the grandpa moving in slow motion. <laughs> <laughs> that's as fast as I go. <laughs> and I did like the um. The two, uh, the bowling centre guys or the bowling alley guys who were like, all right, time for the, uh, time yeah. for the, the 300 protocol. Given the nod. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. With the, uh, with the dual keys, like the, uh, like it's, uh, like it's missiles or something. And it's one pathetic balloon. <laughs> oh, no, but still, at least it's something. Homer says the greatest day of his life, slams the ball through the floor and hits who I can only assume is Frank Grimes in the head. Oh, no, Frank Grimes is dead. So the, the next Frank Grimes in the head. <laughs> We come back and Marge, Marge is very proud of Homer. Um, he crosses this off his to-do list and he gives his speech, doesn't thank Marge or his kids, he thanks Carl. Yes, indeed. <laughs> but not Lenny. <laughs> but this makes Homer a, uh, well, a local hero. And yeah. um, to the point where he's being invited to, uh, to speak at schools, Mrs. Mrs. Grabopel is actually fairly happy to turn the class over to Homer while she reads Fear of Flying. I don't know, this is a pretty... <laughs> this is a pretty out there or sort of left of centre reference, but uh, yeah, Fear of Flying was yeah, basically a pretty sexy book to read in the 1970s, which is just about this. Uh, it's a bit like uh, Rochelle Rochelle. It's a woman's erotic journey. <laughs> <laughs> I 
So it's, I think it's pretty on brand for Mrs. K to be reading it, actually. Children, today's local hero is Homer Simpson. Yeah! Mr. Simpson bowled a perfect game without the aid of steroids, crack, angel dust, or the other narcotics that are synonymous with pro bowling. Thank you, part teacher. You know, kids, my teacher said I would never amount to anything. And until last week, they were dead right. But now I've achieved perfection. Hmm. Any questions? Yes, Bart's weird friend. Will you be my dad? <laughs> You've got a father. He's just a dud. Next question. Yes, the girl Bart has a crush on. Do you think I could grow up to be a doctor? Hey, this was supposed to be about me. Now, any other questions? Pumpkin face? Headgear? Chicken pox? Smelly? Lazy eye? Spiky head? Okay, class dismissed. Rock on! Want to split the birthday cupcakes? Weird-looking class of kids. It was, yeah. We cut to Springfield Squares. It's just an epic fail for Homer. But I'm not going to lie, when I was younger, I did like watching the Celebrity Square show. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shows like that and Blankety Blanks back in the day that sort of like, okay, we can't be too dirty, so we're just, but we're going to throw in as many sort of double entendres and we'll be as racy as we can under these circumstances. Like, ooh, <laughs> grown-up humour. Live from Shelbyville, it's the Springfield Squares, featuring our new center square, Homer Perfect Game Simpson. Hey, hi, Ron. There's a stairway, dumbass. <laughs> okay, we'll start with our returning champion, Disco Stew. Disco Stew's gonna groove up some dough playing tic-tac-toe. Uh, Stew, we like to downplay the resemblance to tic-tac-toe. I can dig it. Hit me with the center square. Uh, Homer? Yes, Kent? Uh, according to Red Book Magazine, what is the speed of light? Well, yes, wait, uh, wait, uh, do I read from the sheet labeled jokes or answers? Go for the, stop tape! Make me center square, Kent. I'm ready. I can handle it. Dream on, drunkie. Oh, that's it. You're going down. Oh! Stop it, you two! You're making Scratchy cry! Oh, we've got to stop putting these flavors of the month on. Flavor of the month? Me? Yeah, Homer, you can't just ride one accomplishment forever. Why do you think I stopped acting and became a director? Oh, because you weren't cute anymore? Mm, I'll agree. Circle gets the square. Good night, everyone! <laughs> I've loved to hear how Homer and Ron fight and they make Scratchy cry. <laughs> <laughs> I did like that there was a it's a pretty big diss on Ron now where it's like you know I moved into other things home it's like uh, because you weren't cute enough to be on movies anymore eh. <laughs> it's like well that's pretty much right I mean you know Ron Howe was on happy days and all that kind of stuff but um he did get old very fast <laughs> yeah his hair started to thin and it's kind of like mm. And he was, yeah, it wasn't a cool bald like, say, you know, Bruce Willis or John Malkovich or something. It was like, eh, yeah, that's not a good look for you, Ron. So it was yeah. Dick Solomon bald. <laughs> yeah, better start making movies. And luckily, it all worked out pretty well for him. Yes, he's very, very good at his job. But yeah, so there's a point out here that um, Homer's the flavor of the month, and he starts to realize, oh, maybe I'm not going to be famous forever. So he tries to uh, crash the Penn and Teller show, which is purely just a way to get Penn and Teller on as guests. Because it's just. It's just a one-and-done thing. Plays no part into the story besides the fact that Homer's just trying to still be famous. But it was really, really funny hearing Teller talk. <laughs> it was. I was just about to say. It's, I'm, not, I'm not the biggest Penn and Teller fan out there. I do. I kind of like their, their style, but I mean, I'm not going to necessarily tune into all their stuff. But uh, yeah, having Teller actually speak and then yes, confess that uh, I'm not even the first Teller. I'm not the first <laughs> Teller. <laughs> it was really That good. was all pretty good. Now, to save my partner's life, I'll need complete... Hello, everybody! Did somebody say a perfect game? You idiot! You'll ruin everything! I'm doing a walk-on. It's a show business thing. Oh, how y'all doing? Let's see. What's in the news today? Will you shut up? Hey, I thought you never talked. Uh, I didn't mean to. It just slipped out. Oh, God, now Penn's gonna beat me. <laughs> Folks, it's all part of the act. No, it isn't. Don't leave me alone with him! You've ruined the act! I'm gonna kill you! He'll do it! I'm not the first teller. Remember, Springfield, keep on swinging! Hey, come here! I, I just want to talk to you! Come here! Come here! Ooh, ooh. Guys? 
Maggie is then watching Happy Tree Elves, but Homer doesn't seem to care. He walks in and changes the channel so that everyone can watch what he's going to be talked about on. They still, throughout the episode, they play up. He's like, no, he doesn't go to the tea party. He changes the TV on her. So he's upsetting Maggie Mm. throughout the episode. I think Maggie looks at Homer sad and he says, that's right, you've got a special daddy or something like that. (laughs) Uh, The news report talks about Homer just being old news. And this is where the family (laughs) try to explain to him that, you know, this is what I was mentioning at the start of the podcast. You know, it's, you've had your time. Now it's time to step aside and let some other flavour of the month come through. I did like that they referred to him as a warmed over Fred Flintstone. Yeah, that's pretty much what Homer was referred to when when The Simpsons first started, right? Indeed. Pretty sick burn. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Now the transition here. It was an old version of the house. So this this still shot of the exterior of, of the Simpson house was from a, a much much earlier episode. You can just tell by the way, just by looking at it. Ah. Which and they, they do that with the um, whenever they go to the grocery store, they use the exterior shot from like the second season, and they've just always used it. I did not know that. Yeah, it's with, with the trolley rolling out of the um, rolling out of the car park. But anyway, so Homer's hugging the balloon, trying to hang on to whatever remnants are left of his fifteen minutes of fame. Sucks the balloon down, chokes on it, and this is where he, this is where the episode just sort of just went to me. You know, he <laughs> thinks his life is peaked and whatnot. So Marge suggests that he goes to speak, or you should speak to your life partner, Kumo. It's look, it's a funny cut, absolutely. I mean, yeah, yeah. It makes it makes you think less of Homer, even even less than we we have been in this episode. But still, pretty funny that he does go to Mo, <laughs> and then Mo says, you know, as as your life partner. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's it's just a little. I've just got here. It's pretty absurd that Homer now thinks his life is over. He starts singing the end and things like that, and then just sees the sees the skyscraper and he decides he's going to go kill himself. The whole scene's kind of ridiculous, but it's almost worth it to hear Homer sing off key weird scenes inside the gold mine from the door <laughs> song. The end. I mean, that's that's not unfunny, but it's it's one little sort of glimmer of humour in a, in a generally kind of, eh, don't know if this is playing out all that well kind of sequence. This, this is the end, my only friend, the end. Weird scenes inside the gold mine. Eh. <sighs> Well, world, this is it. You know, I always thought you'd die before me. Now as I prepare my soul for an eternity of fire and poking. Yeah, let's chat more splat, pal. <laughs> it was a good cut to commercial break, I guess, in the sense that it's going to make you want to come back to see what happens. True. We return, Homer's falling, sees Otto, who is bungee jumping, apparently, off the building as well. Even before that, though, I did I did like a couple of the... They were nicely black sort of gags about, you know, there's this long queue of jumpers at the top of this building. And, you know, there's a sign saying, watch your step. And, um, <laughs> you know, someone who's pretty eager to win their life says, eh, less chat, more splat. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a sucker for rhymes. Anything that rhymes. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so they go underground. I really wish they had have worked in a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reference here. <laughs> well, you're a Turtles guy. I mean, uh, I think that, probably, that would have definitely made you happy. That's true. I was, I was just happy there were chuds. <laughs> so Homer thinks that God has saved him for a reason He's got a new lease on life Sees Ron Howard on the way to the zoo Oh Lord, you saved me I guess you had some higher purpose in mind Hey, fuck out Oh, dumbass You trying to get yourself killed? Not anymore, Ron Now I'm looking for something to dedicate my life to Something noble but easy Daddy, stop talking to that bomb Look, I'd love to help you out, Homer, but I'm taking my kids to the zoo. That's great. Even big stars take their kids to the zoo. Well, it's a different zoo, containing animals you've never heard of. Daddy, we're missing the Fantastopotamus. She only sings twice a day. That's it. Kids are the answer. I'll dedicate my life to my children. Really? You have children? Oh, well, look, here's some money. No, I don't want your pity or your money. Usually when you say that, you give the money back. I do what now? Yoink. <laughs> Two good things about that. I I have to assume that the uh, the little girl in the back of Ron Howard's car is saying, we're missing the Fantastopotamus, is actually Bryce Dallas Howard from the Jurassic World movies. 
I don't think it's actually her doing the voice, but you know, it's a it's a young Ron Howard's daughter. Yes. I'm presuming that's gotta be Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah, it plays into canon, yeah. Yeah, if it's canon, yeah, that's Bryce. And also the yoink as he takes back his money. I think that was pretty neat. Yoink is a great word. Yoink is good, and I have used it on occasion. <laughs> Whenever someone posts a funny meme, people always comment, yoink. <laughs> <laughs> Homer goes to try and talk to his kids and spend some time with them. Unfortunately, Bart has already found father figures in other people, including Nelson. <laughs> looking very um, looking very Hugh Hefner. Very da- da- dapper dad, let's say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, here again, Homer, terrible. Lisa wants help, and Homer just walks out and leaves her. <laughs> yeah, no, he's, he's certainly not father of the year or you know, father of the week, father of the day. He's just not good dadding in this episode. No, no, uh, wakes up Maggie and scares her by accident because I always wonder, like, do we look normal when kids looking at us through their eyes or do we look like monsters? <laughs> That's <laughs> like a really gi- good question. Like these giant things. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, if your brain's still forming, yeah, I mean, that's a lot of information to take in. Yeah, yeah. Um, dresses up as the Teletubby. I love that. Homie Womie. Homie Womie the Teletubby, who's all man. Because, I mean, <laughs> you know, when the Teletubbies first came out, wasn't this whole thing about, oh, you know, this is a bit kind of... They were homosexual, apparently. Pretty much, yeah. It was like... It's just, well, that's what they were implying, anyway, yeah. I, I think there were certain, you know, people who get up in arms about this kind of thing saying, the Teletubbies pushing a gay agenda on our kids? Yeah, because that's, that's a terrible <laughs> <Yeah>. thing. <laughs> I wouldn't, it would not have even surprised me if that proved to be the, the demise of the Teletubbies when that started coming out. I wouldn't be surprised, but I just love that Homer sort of runs with a go, oh man, in case you hadn't forgot, in case of what you heard. I loved Maggie trying to escape on the clothesline and then just giving up. <laughs> okay, dads. This is where your child's trust in you really pays off. Come on, Maggie. You can trust me. Come to Denji. No stepfathers. No, no, no. That was a good sign, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but Maggie doesn't want to get into the water because is it creature from the Black Lagoon? Is that what he looks like here, do you think? Um, I think so. Although, have they done sort of like sea monsters before? On uh... yeah, it looks a bit like the creature from the Black Lagoon. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like a creature of some kind. And Maggie doesn't want to get into the water with him. So Homer's disappointed. He, and, and, I mean, Maggie for good reason just doesn't want to spend time with Homer. But then on the way home, she sees a butterfly, points it out to <laughs> Homer. Homer thinks she's pointing to the ocean. So he says, "Yeah, I'll take you to the ocean." Um, the tide takes him out, and Maggie is therefore left to have to save him. And we get that. Pretty ridiculous ending. <laughs> after after Homer says, "Maggie, call Aquaman." That, yeah, I know. Like so, as I said at the start, there's funny moments throughout this episode, like funny one-liners and whatnot. But it's just the story was just really weak. <laughs> it was reliant on a on a few one-liners and a few sort of inspired bits of business to sort of save it. But yeah, I mean, as a as an overall concept, it's like, mm, yeah, this isn't quite playing out well. No, like I feel like there's there's a good story. In there somewhere, maybe it was rushed. The, the writing it was rushed. I don't know, but like like the whole bowling angle, like the, there was something there with Homer's fifteen minutes of fame. You could have run with it, but just don't take the angle of Homer being a jerk the entire time. It's a bit of a Frankenstein's monster of an episode. It's got you know bits and pieces that don't quite fit together. I mean, we talked about you know episodes that are two good ideas sort of smushed together, uh, or two good ideas that aren't quite fully formed ideas. So it's like, okay, well, yeah, let's take these two halves and try to make a whole. Eh, it's not it's not quite it, but it's close. Yeah, yeah. but this just feels like, eh, let's take a bit from this, bit from that, bit from this, bit from that, and hopefully it all works. And look, there's a few, of course there are a few good gags in there. I mean, I like at the very end how, um, you know, Dr. Hibbert says, uh, yeah, you got a few shark eggs in there. He says, oh, yeah, I ate those beforehand. <laughs> I did appreciate the um, knocking the 300 balloon away. At the yeah, end. that was good. That was good. But, uh, and that's how the episode ends, at the bowling alley. Yeah, yeah. Homer and, Homer and Maggie attempting a little bond. Well, Homer attempting a little bonding through one of his favourite activities. But even then, still remaining a jerky jerk for jerks. I just think that what he was trying to do here with the writing was try to sort of give the same sort of vibe that the episode And Maggie Makes Three, where it ends with the do it for her sign on Homer's workstation. Mm. Where, well, there's a know, reason do it for her has become kind of a meme that, you know, people use and 
Because it's fucking great, that's why. (laughs) Yeah, and it kind of symbolises something very, very heartwarming. And this is just kind of like, no, this just feels cheap and unearned. The fact that a baby bowls a 300 game as well. I don't like shitting on The Simpsons. I know, but I first felt like I couldn't come into this episode and say that I loved it and not point out... Because like this is the first time I've done a review for this podcast where the episode has genuinely annoyed me. Normally, I can mm. just brush off Homer being a jerk. But when it's amped up this much, like you said, like triple times, it yeah. just needs to be acknowledged. It just shouldn't happen. <laughs> well, look, a show you love or anything you love should be sort of sturdy enough to stand up to criticism. What did we learn, Palmer? What did you learn from the episode, Mr. Davis? Um, <laughs> don't, don't set your foot over... Don't even put your foot a little bit over the line when bowling because otherwise you'll be deducted five points and you won't get a good and you won't get a perfect score. That is completely true. I, uh, I learned that whenever you get in trouble, just close your eyes because you can't get in trouble if they can't see you. <laughs> Full of good lessons this episode. Well, <laughs> no, it's got maybe two good lessons and that's it. It's the patron mailbag time. Time for the patron mailbag. So we had a shitload of comments this week. Probably because I posted in the group for the first time ever saying that I think this episode was pretty shit. And everyone was just like, mm. I like this one. But we had lots of lots of questions coming through. Guy, you've you've skimmed through and picked out a couple. What do you got for us? Um, we were asked about uh, by Brendan Allen, uh, this week's winner of the New Titles Award, um, about our 15 minutes of fame, apart from, the, of course, the international stardom that is four-finger discount. Dan, <laughs> do, you, do you have a moment of 15 minutes of fame? I mean, were you... Uh, were you in the local newspaper, were you on television? Um, did you stand? Um, a, you know, did you stand on the on the on the dais at school sports day? It's like with a little gold medal. Or I was always the kid, and I'm not joking. For five years straight, I won. Do you remember the MS Walkathons? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah so I won. I, do I still do those? I don't know. But we at, at primary school, um, we used to have you know you'd raise money, so people would donate two dollars for you to complete the MS Walkathon, and my dad would always take the slip to his work. And because dad was the supervisor and he worked at Candy Footwear <laughs> in North Geelong, so there was lots of, like, it was a, a factory, so lots of employees, they all chipped in some money. So for five years straight, I won the North Shore Primary School MS Walkathon uh, like donation thing. And I always won the bike. I won a bike one year, I won a scooter another year. And oh, great. my God. Give yeah. it up for Dando. <laughs> it got to the point where everyone just got sick of seeing me win it. I was like, I was like Geelong <laughs> and Hawthorne in the AFL. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had 15 minutes of fame back in the early 90s uh, when I appeared on the TV quiz Sale of the Century. You appeared. Get the fuck out. You seriously appeared on that show? I did indeed. I was do, you about- have, do you have footage of this? A good friend of mine, uh, I think he still has the VHS. He probably doesn't have VHS oh, player mate, anymore. Can I please see that? We'll see if we can find it. I'm on there with a full head of hair and some very 90s fashion. And now, unfortunately, I did not win. One of the other contestants did where I, Yeah, I, I lost the fame game question in the last round. But where it's just like buzz, 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 buzz. Because the ones that win are always no, 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 in the no, last the, round. Uh, oh, no, the who am I question. Oh, the who am I? Oh, so you were that close to winning? Oh yeah, I think I went down by like five points in the end. Oh fuck, but, that's terrible. But, but I was doing, I was doing well all throughout. I think I won a couple of fame games, so I got some like outdoor furniture and some very nice bed linen. Did, well, did, none of did, which I. What's his face? Did um, what was his name? The host. It was Glenn Ridge at that stage. Glenn, Glenn, Glenn. Did he try and sell you something? Um, he did, and I think I bought. Well, yeah, I think I won something on the. What did I win? Oh no, well, I'm. I've forgotten exactly how I got it, but it was outdoor furniture and bed linen. So did you try and, and barter with him though? Like, did he offer you something and you're like, no thanks? I think I did. I think there's actually footage of me sort of going, eh, lower, lower, lower. So <laughs> That's yeah, great. Um, looking like a real cheap bastard. Oh, um, man. But I then sold that and I bankrolled an overseas trip with it. So yeah, good times. But, yeah, but my friend JP has has got it on VHS and. All throughout the 90s, whenever we were having like a dinner party and we'd all had too many glasses of wine, he'd say, check this shit out and put, put on me on, uh, on uh, Sale of the Century. <laughs> well, get, 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 it, get, get that copy because um, I'll convert it digitally and we'll put it online. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> That's great. Next question. Kenneth A. Rice asked, do we enjoy bowling? And I have to say I yes. I love bowling. I love it. Yeah. I don't do it anywhere, like nowhere near enough. Like Nicola and I went out for our... Our date night uh, before the whole uh, coronavirus thing happened, it would have been about two weeks before it kicked off. 
and we went out for dinner and we're going to go see a movie and it got to about, I don't know, eight o'clock and we're still at dinner and we sort of thought, do we want to see 9.30 session, not get home till midnight or do we want to just go bowling? We're just like, yeah, let's do that. Let's go bowling. So we just, yeah, we just drove out to the bowling center and we had a fucking great time. Oh, excellent. Yeah, I mean, that's... I'm 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 a I'm a big fan of bowling when I do it, but I must admit it's not something that I sort of go out of my way to do. I, it's very low down the list of kind of like, hmm, yeah, well, you know what would be good you today. Just get in the car and go do. It's like you got You don't do it by yourself. You want to do it with somebody. That's true. I guess it seems like it's a lot of effort when it's really not. It's so different from going. No, to the you park. get you get there. <laughs> you put on shoes that are not yours. Yeah, then you just throw a ball down the uh, down the lane. I mean, I think the last time I went, and we talked about it earlier in this episode, was when we went for that work thing. And it was all the crew from uh, from Pop Culture and Icon and on. And, you know, the beers were flowing. And, I mean, I think I got pretty wasted that night, actually. Well, if, it was a wor- if it was a work function, I'm pretty sure Guy Davis got wasted. <laughs> that That is true. Uh, <laughs> but, in a, but in a good and entertaining and fun way. Yeah, no, I had, I had an absolute blast doing it. And every time I do go bowling, I think, this is fun. Should do this more often. And on the topic of bowling, I also uh, enjoy the occasional lawn bowl. I've only ever done that like once in my life. And well, you can play for free with me because we live on the golf course here that also has a lawn bowls club as part of the club. I think it's very it's a very Australian thing that, you know, you'll go out on a like a Saturday afternoon or something and you'll have a few quiet beers. It's like, well, rather than just sit around and drink, how about we actually sort of incorporate some physical activity into this? And, you know, let's we're out in the sunshine. Let's, you know, hit the jack. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, the, the one on, on the golf course here, they've got one that's undercover and one that's not. So you can just you know get a few beers, go outside, take your shoes off. Barefoot lawn bowls is fantastic on a, you know, like five o'clock, six o'clock on a summer's night. That sounds very, very nice. Now, these are very bowling centric because this was kind of a bowling episode. But uh, Kieran Russell asks, is bowling a big thing in Australia? I mean, it seems like a huge... no. Yeah, it seems like a huge thing in America. Honest to God... One of my favourite sports to watch on TV is bowling. I love it. Really? Because I've never actually sort of watched competitive bowling on, on really, TV or anything really like I really, enjoy that. it. And it used to always be on really, really early on the weekends. I'm talking like 6am or whatever. So I'd wake up early on a Sunday. It'd either be, you know, Sunday morning cartoons on Foxtel or whatever. I'd just be yeah. you know, biding time until the Super Simpsons weekend would start at 9 o'clock on Fox 8. So I'd just pick some <laughs> sports to watch. And yeah, no shit. Like, Or sometimes I'd be up all night playing like, Smackdown 2 or Tekken 3 or something and then it'd be like 6am and I'm like, oh, what's on TV? Ah, oh, 10-pin bowling. And there's always like two or three people. I think it's similar with darts. There's like two or three people who are always like in the, the grand final. Like there's, there's like two or the three best ones in the world who are always up there. And there was, there was this guy that used to have like a, an afro and he was my favorite. And he ne- But he never won the title. But he was the one <laughs> I used to always enjoy watching the most because he used to like do a funky dance if he got a strike. <laughs> This this guy sounds like an absolute hero. Yeah, it's like disco, disco stew doing ten pin bowling. It was fantastic. <laughs> Damien Miller asks if uh, we won lotto and could build our ultimate house, would it have a single bowling lane? And I've got to say no, and not because I dislike bowling or bowling lanes, but I think if you're going to bowl, it has to be in a in a big sort of social environment, and there have to be multiple lanes. It has to be at least I, two lanes. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's part it's like of buying the, a Daytona uh, machine and only having one fucking driver. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think part of the joy of bowling is the whole communal social experience of it all. The fact that there's a lot of hustle and bustle going on. I mean, even if you go to like a bowling centre and there are very few people in it, it's like, eh, it still still feels more enjoyable than just a a single lane would just feel kind of sad. I mean, if you, yeah, exactly. That's true. Yeah, it would feel sad. If you built, I mean, if you want Tats Lotto, sorry, you'd build an extension to your house and just put like four lanes. (laughs) You probably would do that. I mean, if if you were inclined to do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would love to have a bowling alley at my house. I, if I won Tuts Lotto, I would have to have an extension that created like a, an 80s, 90s-esque arcade. Oh, uh, like a time zone? Yeah, well, the, well, but, just, but just filled with things like classic pinball and things like that. Not like the claw machines and shit like that. Like, just good arcade machines. I have a buddy like that who's got... He's got a like a, a pinball... Yeah, yeah, basically a pinball room. Really? And he's got something like 20-something games, maybe more. How much money like, does this man have? Well, that's the thing. I mean, I don't know if he's spending it on anything else, but I mean, yeah, the dude <laughs> has got a lot of pinball machines. Wow. Like, I can understand maybe having a pinball machine in your house. It's like, ooh, check that out. But many? I mean, 
all due respect to my friend Eric, I mean, top guy, what he wants to spend his money on is his own business. But I was like, that's like 29 more machines than I would have in my house. I, um, that's why I got my virtual pinball because, I mean, granted, it's not the same as a, a normal pinball machine, but it's got every pinball machine ever created installed on it and there's no, um, no maintenance required. Well, there you go. I mean, one thing I'd be happy to... I mean, I don't think I'd want to have like an old school, you know, Pac-Man or Space Invaders machine in my house, as much as I like those kind of things. What I'd probably want is one of those coffee table ones that's got like 60 of the old... No, what, what you want is what I'm, go- what I'm buying, dude. I'm getting it in like two months' time. It's a standing Ooh. arcade machine that has like 30,000 games on it. Oh, if you put it that way. Okay, yes. <laughs> I changed my mind completely. It's, it's, it's along those lines, though. So basically, it's, it's not legit. But it's like it's got an emulator on it, so you can play any you know any arcade game ever made, any Nintendo. You just plug your controllers into it. Any Nintendo, any shooting game, any PlayStation, everything. It's fantastic. I don't know. Maybe I'm just sort of old school and a bit of an old timer in terms of like, yeah. I think I just like I like the I like the neatness of the coffee table thing. Yeah. Um. I like the memories that it evokes, but also like, you know, there's not too many buttons here. It's you know, it's a joystick and a few buttons. One that you know. One that says player one, one that says player two, and one that fires rockets. That's well, that, pretty much well, all I need. That, that's what um that's what this machine has, but it's got four sets of them across. It's a four player arcade, standing arcade machine. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's just, a, that, four, that sounds pretty neat, and you know, it, it's a good thing for self isolation, I'm sure. But, but when yeah. this whole when the smoke clears, I'm coming over to play some shit. Yes, yeah. <laughs> or you can just come now. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we just won't tell Skomo. <laughs> it's, it's it's worth getting coronavirus for this. <laughs> Uh, right, is that going to wrap up the mailbag or we got any more questions? We have a lot of questions uh, this time around, but we might hold some of them until next week. Not all of them are related to this episode. They can be answered at any time. Yeah, because we've got, um, I was just looking at it, like 50, 50 questions came through for this one post. So, episode, not great for storytelling, but very good at getting mailbag questions sent in. <laughs> Having said, not all of them are questions. A lo- <laughs> Maybe 50% of them were like, Dan, why don't you like this episode? You yeah. chump. <laughs> Actually, they didn't, they didn't call you a chump. People have written like quite possibly their favorite episode. I'll be intrigued to know how yeah. and why. Don't just let us don't just let us know it's your favorite. Yeah, I mean, yes, There's justify no reason why your- you can't like it. It's just just wasn't one of my favorites at all. Yeah. Justify your love, people. Alrighty, guys, thank you for listening to our review of Hello Gutter, Hello Fatter. Next week we've got Eight Misbehaving, which is when Apu's wife Manjula has the octuplets. Oh, and I've been warned that if I didn't like this week, whoa. Am I going to like next week? <laughs> now I'm going to I'm going to say I had to get I think the coronavirus is getting to me a bit and get a bit of cabin fever. I had to just sort of vent. I don't like shitting on the Simpsons, so this won't be a, a, a common thing of me shitting all over the show. But uh, as like guy said, when it's skewed this much towards Homer being a jerk, you have to point it out. <laughs> Indeed, as I said, something you love, you're entitled to sort of point out its flaws. You're, you're doing it out of love. You're not doing it out of hate. Yes. Once again, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to uh, support the show, just become a patron for as low as $2 per month on patreon.com slash forefinger discount for a bunch of exclusive podcasts. Mr. Davis, any final words for the listeners? Circle gets the square. Shh.